I'm Matt Valley, and this is the Rock and Roll Research Podcast, where we share the super cool backstories and side gigs of the research and insights pros that you trust. Today's guest is one of those. Uh, I'm welcoming Scott Aaron to the program, who is the newly minted senior director of insights for the very innovative furniture company called Lovesack. Uh, I think he just started on Monday, if I'm not mistaken. That's right. Okay, cool, cool. Um, so Scott was, uh, before that, he, he had his own consultancy for oh, about eight plus years, where he worked with Lovesack and lots of other clients. So I guess they poached you. They pulled you out of your own gig. <laughs> That's right. And before that, Scott was uh, spent years at Luxottica and my favorite consumer packaged goods company, Procter & Gamble. So I have, to, I have to thank, by the way, uh, Lisa Gooding from Ipsos, formerly GFK, for introducing the two of us uh, under no real pretense whatsoever. Uh, as I recall, uh, she sent an email and said, hey, Matt, there's this guy, Scott Aaron. He lives in Cincinnati. You live in Cincinnati. That's right. I like you. I like Scott. You guys will probably like each other. <laughs> so thank you for that, Lisa. And she was um, right. Yeah, she was right. She was right. I miss working with Lisa. She's great. Um, yeah, so, she so I'm super happy to have you on the podcast. Uh, the thing that a lot of people might not know about you is that you are what I call a shed shredder. So Scott, Scott has been playing his writing and performing his own music with some buddies uh, for quite some time and uh, some really good stuff. I mean, he's got good taste in music. So uh, I'm really interested in your Desert Island disc. We've never discussed that before, but. That's right. <laughs> anyway, welcome to the show, Scott. Well, thanks, Matt. It's good to be here. It's good to talk to you, as good always. To here. Uh, excellent, excellent. Well, let's let's get started on the professional side, right? So you've been sure. in and around insights. So how did you get started and, and how did you uh, decide to stay? <laughs> how do I manage to keep the scam going as we were talking about the other day? <clears throat> um, I actually came into it, I... Um, Speaking of Cincinnati, I got my MBA at University of Cincinnati. <clears throat> and I was coming out, I did a couple projects with different companies, and one of them was with PG, with a group called Corporate New Ventures that was tasked with um, what are the categories the Proctor should get into, or what's going to be a category in 10 years that isn't really now. <clears throat> right. Because all the Verticals had their own new ventures, but there wasn't really a corporate one. Like, where, right. where does Procter go next? What's the next, you know, laundry? And I did a project with them, really enjoyed it. And they had an agency that really was responsible for the, the it was really concept development, basically. At that stage of idea development, it's really just how do we position this idea or talk about this product? Right. And so, um, I met these agency folks and I decided to um, go to work with them. And I worked on that because I liked the people in that uh, group at PNG. I worked on that group in that group for, I think maybe like three or four years, pretty long time. So they were my main client, but I worked on a lot of other stuff. So the agency was called Northlick and it had kind of a brand innovation part called Brandstorm. Okay. Yep. So I was sort of a Brandstorm person, which was really just strategic brand development like what is this going to be all about and so I worked on um Swiffer like I did the first concept development for Swiffer cool 
Um, yep, that was pretty amazing in a way. And I did it for, um, I worked on the first copy development for Febreze that failed. And that one, <laughs> that one book um, that's about habits, it has a chapter about Febreze. Uh -huh. And, and it has like my agency is like, yeah, this is, this is basically what happened on that project. Like this is kind of where it comes in at the, when the aha happened and it was previous to that, it was like, we were kind of in this cul-de-sac of it being a really niche thing. And there was a few insight things that kind of had to do with habits that sort of broke it open. Um, so I worked cool. on that too. And then I did a concept development for a crazy mop. Okay. Uh, that became Swiffer WetJet. It wasn't oh, cool. When I worked on it, it wasn't <laughs> WetJet. They, I just, and my experience would be I'd work on these things for like six months, like Swiffer, like I knew more about dusting than anyone. And so I was basically like a user of qualitative research, basically. Right. So at the agency, I'm like, well, here's this kind of stuff we need to know to figure out this concept. And, um, and uh, we'd work a lot with the CMK group at the time at PNG, Consumer Market Knowledge and uh, the marketing folks. And we'd all kind of go out and do a bunch of qual to figure these things out. And we would joke that we would, after doing three months of qual on dust, you know, like we were like, we know more about dusting than any humans, you know, like we're like <laughs> the world's expert on, you know, what do people think about dusting and all that. And so, um, you know, the first time, the first one of those projects I did, when I first went to qualitative, I was just like, oh my God, this is like incredible. Like, this is amazing because even in, in grad school in marketing classes, it didn't really, it didn't really dive into any of these kinds of tools or techniques, you know, it was just sort of high level strategic kind of stuff. Right. And so I was just like, oh my God, like people are giving us the answer. Like, this is amazing. <laughs> like, this is great. Go like figure. a test where you have you going with the answers. Like, oh, I know what this concept should be. And I know, and I know exactly why, because this is how people think about it, you know? Mm -hmm. And so, um, so that was really exciting and fun. And like, again, my experience would be, I work on these things. And then two years later, I'd be in the grocery store, or I'd be watching TV and I'd be like, oh, there it is. There's the, <laughs> yeah. there's, oh, it's called Swiffer. Like that was the brand, you know, that was the brand. And, um, you know, and I'd see like, how close was it to like what we developed, you know? And, right. Um, so, uh, and most of the time it was pretty close <laughs> because yeah. they of course qualified a lot of those things on those concepts. So they were not super keen, I don't think to um, tinker too much with them. Yeah. So, um, so I worked at that agency for five or six years and then I um, went to the client side. It was the usual agency thing. Like it was having some um, P&G kind of shut off the new product innovation thing for a little bit there. Right. Um, yep. As they were having leadership change. And so that business was kind of going away. And um, another one of the agency's big businesses was kind of struggling at that time. So it seemed like it was the right time to look around. And I had done it for a while. And so I was looking around and I ended up going to work in kind of a part innovation, part research job for lens crafters. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> And through my time at LensCrafters, my job became more um, became more on the insights side. Right. And um, while I was there, when I first came in, we had just bought Sunglass Hut. So that was kind of a big deal. And that was a very different customer than the LensCrafters customer. And we kind yeah. of 
figure that out. Um, and then we bought one of our bigger competitors. And so then we, so, so bottom line, we went from being sort of a one brand and one category company to a portfolio of brands in a couple different categories, which was mm -hmm. really a big adjustment to make. And certainly from a, um, comms and brand and um, experience perspective, you're going from sort of like pushing your one train down the track as best you can to, oh, I got these other, my tracks are crossing now. And I've got, I've got brands that are kind of saying the same thing and are, so, you know, like, well, how do we rationalize all this and make sense of it? Right. Um, and so I worked there for a while, <clears throat> just did a lot of classic stuff, qual, quant, you know, copy testing, brand tracking, mm -hmm. um, concept testing, um, all that kind of stuff. Then I worked for Proctor for a couple of years and I worked on the Gillette acquisition. Yeah. So, so one of my favorite categories. I must say. So I, uh, so <laughs> I, I, uh, was an experienced hire, which was sort of an experiment for PNG at that time, because they really yeah. take people out of school. They don't really the only way they get people with experience is when they acquire companies, basically. Mm -hmm. And so they were trying to get more people into CMK. And that was one of the strategies was like, well, let's hire some experienced people and see what happens. And so uh, that's how I got in. And um, I worked there for, I think, a couple of years, maybe a little bit less. And I went back to Lux for a little while to mm -hmm. head up kind of head up research. I, and I was heading it up after I was there for a couple of years, I guess. But that's when we really built the team out and I had a bigger team and we're doing much more. And that's when I started getting into CX measurement. Okay. Sure. Another team had that at Lux and I was kind of like, I think we could do more with that. And so I kind of lob lobbied to get it. And um, so that was kind of my journey. And I had just worked at Lux for a while. And, you know, my wife had started her own business. She has a change management um, consulting and training business. And she had done that. And I just was like, you know, that's kind of cool. Like you kind of get to do your own thing. And um, I never really liked having management or bosses that much. So I was like, <laughs> well, that's kind of appealing. And um, <laughs> so um, in a way, I think she was the inspiration for sure to, to even try it. And I really yeah. just thought, I got my phone and I got my computer. Like I, you know, this, this could just be really bad. This may not work <laughs> at all, you know, and it could be like me calling people and no one calls me back and that's it. That's a very short, it becomes a very short career chapter of, you know, so I kind of gave myself like a year and a half to figure out if I could do it and kind of six months check-ins and it went, um, you know, it went well enough that I could keep doing it. And right. Luckily, the people that I worked with before, a lot of them did hire me for different things when they could. And um, so I ended up doing that for about eight years. And a lot of what I did was really consulting. Like I didn't really do much execution. And in fact, I pretty much tried to stay away from that. So that was sort of my path. And now, and one of my clients was Lovesack and, mm -hmm. um, and as, as I've gone along, I've certainly realized the value of, um, of leadership, of the, the company you work for, the, what's the quality and the caliber of the leadership is a huge variable mm -hmm. in how things are gonna go in general and you know, what your work environment's gonna be like. And um, 
I knew that that was a relatively rare combination where you have people at the top that are very consumer focused and very consumer driven. And even our, I had a conversation with one of our suppliers, one of our partners the other day, and they were just like, well, we love working with you guys. And we're like, I'm like, why? And, and they're like, well, you guys, you guys use it. And I'm like, yeah, yeah I'm like, you better listen to, you better be careful with what you tell us. Cause we're basically going to like in that meeting go, okay, we're doing this. <laughs> <laughs> if, it's, if we maybe shouldn't do it, you know, you should say that because yeah. we're going to go, all right, we're going to go spend $3 million on that now, you know? So um, <laughs> you got to hire good suppliers. Then, yeah, sure. <laughs> exactly. People who know what they're doing. And yeah. because so many times I think in that world, you know, you you're, do your project and you present it to the people that commissioned it and, the higher ups may or may not be there. So it, it kind of goes into a black hole. And then mm-hmm. maybe yeah. six months later, some variation of it kind of comes spinning back out of the organization at you. And you're like, oh, this is sort of like that thing we did, but it's kind of different now. And so, yeah. um, you know, they're like, yeah, it's kind of wild to see you guys talk about it. And just like, you'll just basically decide to do stuff based on it. Right. And, um, you know, those people, the leadership and just that, set up and the quality of the products the products are really cool i mean yeah, i got to go i got definitely. to go research them and i so i got to see they're pretty good and i know all their cx stuff so i know their experience is pretty good yeah. so i knew i wasn't signing up you know that's one of the luxuries of a png or exotica you know like the product's good yeah, yeah. <clears throat> you know what you're working on is not like let's try to make people think this is good you know it's, it's, <laughs> it is good you know it's like yeah. you're you're on the winning end of things usually. So, um, so all of those things were just like, yeah, I think I should probably do this. Like I didn't, I didn't, as I told them, I, you know, I didn't leave my job at Lux in one of those, you know, Jer- Jerry Maguire moments where you're just like, I'm never working in a gray cube again. Never again. You know, it wasn't that it was just like, I think I want to go on my own. You know, I think I want to work on different stuff and, I, I, be, I was becoming the person at the, at the company, I think I told you before, where, uh, you know, like you'd have this, you started to have this kind of churn of people, not super fast, but enough. And you just, and sort of the same ideas would come up because they're kind of obvious. long enough, yeah. You know, and so I'd be like, oh man, I'm turning into that person in the meeting that's like, well... <laughs> Do you want to know the other four times we did this how it turned out? Or do you want to just do it and this can be number five and we can, you know. So I was just like, that's not a great person to be, you know, it's not really it's who not I a great to person be. to be, but uh but it organizations need that sometimes. Yeah. I was the organizational memory for, you know, marketing marketing what worked and what didn't kind of stuff. So all right. Um, so let's talk about speaking of the background. Shed shredding, shed shredding. That's my, that's my word of the day. <laughs> so tell us how you got something started. you would have yeah. would have copyrighted. Um, <laughs> I yeah, I play guitar, and I didn't really start playing guitar until I was in college, but I probably should have started a lot earlier. I don't really know why I didn't, but because um, I was always interested in it. I guess I was maybe just intimidated by it. Like it looks kind of hard. And if you have a guitar and you just mess around with it, you're like, it's probably like having golf clubs and messing around with them. Like, Oh, this is kind of hard. You know, like this isn't, <laughs> no, it looks easy on TV, but this is not <laughs> easy to hit this white ball or to get a 
you know, D chord out of this thing. So, um, but I always liked music and my family um, was kind of musical. My parents loved music and they, when I was little, I had a, um, you know, little uh, turntable and they, when I was like four, they just gave me access to all their 45s. Mm-hmm. which at that time were only 10 or 12 years old. <laughs> they weren't like <laughs> oldies like they yeah. are now. And, you know, so, and they had all the good, like full fat, like early rock, like Hound Dog, like Little Richard, Chuck Berry, Dwayne Eddy, cool. uh, Fats Domino. I mean, all the really good Jerry Lee Lewis, all that really good. And I just listened to that for probably like the first few years I listened to music. I just would put on like, good golly miss molly or school days or something and so i had a little bit of a weird i think intro into music for somebody my age because i was listening to music that was already kind of considered old you know pretty old at the time right um so once i was in high school in california that's when the music people were i think more into music there than in other places possibly and because the bay area has such a big music heritage and yeah so you had like the, you had you had like the deadhead people that were just sort of hardcore like they were 14 and they're already like I think they're already following the Grateful Dead I don't see them in school that much like they show up but just occasionally <laughs> um we saw Jay Giles band which was really popular at that time yeah down 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 and uh this band opened for them called U2 that uh, yeah, was, I've never heard of was them. Ireland Oh, and really? we were like, you know, these guys are pretty good. You know, it's like the opening band, like, oh, we've heard of them. Oh, you know, Dave's heard of them. Ray's heard of them. Uh, you know, I'm like, I haven't heard of them. And we're like, these guys are pretty good. You know, like these, a couple of these songs are like decent, you know, because they would do that thing that that they could do, which is, which I think really good bands can do where they're, you're, they're doing it a song and they, then they could just kind of like levitate it up like another level where you just kind of felt like everyone just kind of went like, whoa. Yeah. And even then they could do that. Like a couple of songs, you know, you were like, wow, they're like hitting some other level here. Like it's pretty crazy. And so somewhere in there in college, I started playing, my roommate had a guitar and I just started playing it. And I wrote songs before that. Like I wrote lyrics and stuff before that. And um, so I started putting it together and writing songs. And I had a couple of friends in college that did it too. Um, my friend, Rob Brookman and Pete, Peter Gorman. And we were just buddies, like lived in the same dorm. Rob was my roommate. And, um, and Peter always wrote tons of songs, like in the nineties. I mean, he's just one of those guys, like he's just a writer, like he just cranks out songs. And he would send me these cassettes that were just like their albums. Like they'd have 11 songs on them. A lot yeah. of them had like little, little like um, instrumentals in them. Like it would have like a 45 second little interlude of something and then it would go into the next song. Yeah. And just like amazing. Like you could just put them in and play them like a regular album. You know, it was yeah. like, this is amazing. And so um, somewhere in the middle OOs, um, the my, my friend Rob... <laughs> Um, was friends he was in a band called the lucky ones in chicago and he wrote all of their songs or most of their songs with and some of them he wrote with another guy dave k but he ended up uh so one of the 
Rob knew a guy, Jamie Wagner, that owned actually owned a studio, Strobe, it was called, in Humboldt Park. And he said, hey, we should go and like, let's record some of Peter's songs. Peter's got like tons of songs. And so, as I say, like some people golf and like we decided like that, you know, that was kind of our hobby was like, we're going to make records. <laughs> we don't golf, so we got to have something, right? We got something to do. So we screwed around in the studio for a weekend, just for the hell of it, kind of. I mean, did like, I don't know, you know, like 16 hour days kind of thing. And at the end of the first session, you know, Rob was like, we should not, you should, we should finish this. Like, this is probably worth making an actual album on. Cause we didn't go in make with the intention of doing that. So, um, so we came back, it took a year before we could all, cause we all were working, you know, like it, this was when I think I worked the second session I was working for PNG, I think. Like I came back from like China and then I like went to Chicago. <laughs> I like got in my car and went to Chicago and uh, or Russia. I don't remember which trip it was, but it was around that time. And um, kind of finished it. And then Jamie and Rob finished a lot of it too. Um, afterwards, they put a lot of other stuff cause some amazing vibes players on the first album that has like an album that was in like the jazz New York times best love list. <laughs> like I'm like that guy wow. played vibes. We <laughs> joked, we were like, we should make it. So the album is like that guy's album. <laughs> like put it out under his name. <laughs> hey, it's, you know, Jerome, blah, blah, blah. With lazy old son, you know, like, like I play one, one song for 30 seconds. Lazy old son. That's the name of your band. Sorry. Lazy old son is what Peter named it. Yeah. And I okay. think it was a, a way to avoid any kind of people ever finding us or us ever selling anything. Because <laughs> <Too late. laughs> you Google it and it's like the lazy, all the renditions of the lazy old son, S-U-N song come up. It's just millions. You know, you can never get to the lazy old son, S-O-N. <laughs> so it's like, you know, sales proof, basically, you know, genius <laughs> marketers that we are. So, um, yeah, so we made that album and then um, we made another one. Same process, like two studio, um, I think it was. Yeah, I think we did two times in the studio, two weekends that were about a year apart and um, uh, and came out with the second one, which was a, was a little bit better, I think, better of an album. So, uh, yeah. so thinking about those two worlds are very different, right? So what you've done on the music side and then your professional life. Yeah. Uh, are there any parallels that you draw between the two or maybe lessons from one to the other? I think, you know, I tend to be, I tend, I think where the overlap is for me, because I don't tend to think of them as, I th tend to think of music as something I do for fun. And like, I think of my job as fun, but it's sort of different. You know, yeah. I think of music as being more creative and more like you can be really open-minded about things. And I don't, necessarily I guess approach work the exact same way but the one thing that is similar is I am analytical mm -hmm. and and like I like to know how things work you know I think that's why I liked doing all that concept development stuff like I like to go if if I if we express something like this people will like it because they think this if I express it like this they won't like it because they think this like right. having that insight of like, I, I'm not just listening to reaction. I'm like, oh, I see how they think about this. This is the logic to them. Because of this, then I believe this, then I do this. Like, 
I could start to see this is how they think about it. Like I could map it out. Yeah. Here's how they think about it. So here's how they'll, and I've seen, you know, other uh, teams that do a lot of qual get to that point where they're like, we know what people are going to say before they say it. Like we know how they think about this stuff, which is the best place. I think when marketers are that way, yeah. then it's really efficient, right? They, the ideas are just better because they just know like, oh, people love this. What if we did something like that, you know? And, um, and I think I'm the same way about music. Like I kind of listen to music and on some weird level, try to figure out like, why do I like this song so much? Like, why is this so good? Or why mm -hmm. is it so terrible or whatever yeah. it is? You know, I it's think I apply it. that, I apply that same, like, you know, like picking it apart a little bit and trying to understand it. Although mm -hmm. I kind of know with, music part of what i like is when you know you can't really explain it you know you can't yeah. really get to the bottom of it in a way yeah you know, that's a like, bit of the magic the bit exactly of the magic of music. Yeah. exactly you can't ever you know reduce it to some super formulaic thing or whatever but i do i think listen to music to songs or albums i think are great and i do think of it that way sometimes like what makes this so good yeah. You know, like what makes me like this so much? So yeah. I think I, I think that part of my brain is the same, you know, mm -hmm. like the same as work, you know, like how are we going to figure this out? You know, like what do we really need to do here? And so so <laughs> so back on the work topic. Um, yeah. So here you are. Now you're uh, leading insights for a very, very quickly growing, uh, exciting uh, furniture company. Um, as you think about insights and reflect on your experience and you know, think about where you're taking it at LoveSack. What, what does the future look like uh, from your standpoint? Um, I, I don't really, <clears throat> I don't really have a great sense of that. I, I think certainly a lot of, I think one good thing that I think a lot of, um, insights people have embraced is that there's a lot of ways of getting information. Mm -hmm. There's not just like, Oh, surveys and whatever. Like there's, there's a lot of ways to figure things out and that are more accessible now than they used to be, I think. So I do think that that's evolving to where there's like people are doing more hybrid approaches of, let's do this stuff with social and then maybe there is some survey stuff and then maybe there is some other sort of, you know, big data distillation going on. Um, so I think that's kind of nice that it's breaking out of just being, and, and I think really the, the marketing and positioning and effectiveness of insights in a way is so challenging because it is so many different things that kind of get put under this umbrella and so it's, I think as um, like our clients in the world, it, it's kind of a hard thing to understand. Like, what do you guys do exactly? Like, and um, because it is such a set of different tools, you know, it's so right. disparate and so kind of spread out. And it's not just surveys and focus groups anymore. Right, exactly. And so, um, so I don't really know exactly you know, where it's going. I know I tend to gravitate towards things that I feel like have proven to have some like predictive value. Like it's not just, oh, this copy test spits out these numbers that we find valuable. It's sort of like, 
these tie back to some reality that we're trying to achieve too. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think tools that are like that are, are good. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay, Scott. So this is, this is a podcast, right? So yep. curious oh, yeah. to know, um, what other podcasts or maybe other media, uh, you're listening to for inspiration, enjoyment, uh, et cetera, something that you might recommend. Well, I do, um, I do tend to look at the, um, the AMA mm-hmm. stuff. It's such a big umbrella of different things. I find American that, marketing association. Yeah. American marketing yeah. association. I find you can find some relevant info between all the publications they have and articles they have. I don't do as many podcasts. I think the people I know that do, do them, you know, like did them when they commuted and they're like, yeah, I'm not really doing that much anymore. Um, there's one hilarious one though that like research people would probably get a kick out of that's especially anyone that does like CX stuff that's called like water too wet beach too sandy that's okay. actually started by these two people in Cincinnati okay that's them reading in a comically dramatic fashion Yelp reviews <laughs> so nice. it'll be like you know Denny's dog barn and dog park one star. <laughs> I don't know what Denny's problem is. You know, like it, it, the, the way they read them is just really funny. And the, and of course, they find the most sort of over the top ridiculous. You know, these people ruined my life. You know, like kinds yeah. of reviews. You know, so that one's really funny. And it, and it always is about businesses. So it's always about like yeah. you know there was one that was a car wash in Minneapolis. Like it was like. I don't know what, you know, these people need to learn about business. You know, <laughs> they're just these really funny nice. and the way they read them are funny. And, the, and it's a brother and sister that do the podcast and they, they're just, it's to the point where like the brother will start reading, will get to like the fourth word and the sister will just lose it and start laughing. <laughs> I mean, it's literally, you're just laughing at the sister going, Oh my God, I know what's going to happen. You know? what's going to happen with this adopted ferret, you know, <laughs> Oh my God, I know what's going to happen. You know, so that's just, that one's really funny. And it, like I said, it is, it's terrifying because you're hoping it's not going to be like a, you know, love, love sex store review, you know, <laughs> but, uh, um, nice. so that's just, yeah, it's just funny and entertaining. And, but cool. also like uh, all of us in business, like, Oh yeah, they could be talking about our business next, you know, <laughs> it's Yelp reviews. So <laughs> yeah. yeah, cool. All right. So I've been waiting to ask you this question. Uh, I don't know the answer in advance, but I'm, I'm <laughs> just fascinated to hear the answer. So if you listen to any of these podcasts, you know that this question is coming. Yep. I do. I had, that's all I've been thinking about really. <laughs> good, good. So yeah. you're stranded on the desert Island. Been doing zero work. Doing zero work. That's right. Chilling on a love sack. (laughs) You have have three records to keep you company for the rest of your days. What are Um, I would say here's kind of how I picked them. Because I think this is a weird, it's sort of a way of asking, what's your favorite three albums? But I kind of picked these are albums that I really like that I feel like either I could listen to them for a long time and mm-hmm. not get sick of them yeah. or I haven't listened to them and played them to death. So yeah. I could listen to them a lot. Yeah. 
Everybody feels the need to qualify their right. answer somehow. So. Yeah, right. Especially <laughs> on this podcast. Like, well, let me go through the methodology. Like, let me show you my methodology slide. Exactly. Right. The thing that research people do that everyone else in the meeting is going like, oh, my God, are they going to talk about, like, how many people they talk to now? <laughs> Just tell us the answer. Um, so I would say um, I had a lot of candidates, but I really like the Wilco album Star Wars, which okay. I, think they, yeah. I think they gave away free. I think I got it free. Like, hey, you can download it whenever you want. That album is really cool. It has some really interesting songs on it. And it's very, like, the guitar playing and stuff in their band is really good. Their yeah. guitar players are just kind of crazy. Like, I don't even know what's going on in their songs. And, um, and you know, Jeff Tweedy, like, I like his songs and his lyrics and stuff. So that album, for whatever reason, and I've listened to other Wilco albums, and they just haven't hit me quite the same way. And I think it's this I think is far from their most lauded album you know what I mean it's like I think it's kind of like it came out it kind of came and went I think but I really like that album for some reason and it's very like I said complex like I could just sit there and listen to it and figure out like what in the hell is going on in this thing I would say I really like the album Avalon by Roxy Music Okay. And it seems like I never really get tired of that album and I do go back to it and play it probably a couple times a year for like you know, whatever, the last 20 years or something. And it's a very, it has such a, like a mood throughout it. Like it just mm -hmm. sets a totally like, you feel like it transports you to some pl like place that you're in. You know what I mean? It's not like songs. You feel like, oh, I'm in some fancy Brian Ferry video where I'm on a yacht. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, like I'm at a Saint Tropez on the beach or something. So that's a good like that one I keep kind of going back to over and over and um this other one I was listening to just the other day and I kind of like have this game of like what album comes out of the gate and just has like the most like really awesome songs in a row where you're just like oh my god I can't believe oh my god it's another one like where you're just like oh my god these are like incredible and one of the albums that does that is the album the velvet underground by the Velvet Underground. Yeah. It has the most incredible run of like from the from the first song through probably like six or seven. It's just like incredible. You can't even believe this, like you could write songs that good in the you know six months or whatever they probably took to make, you know, to write it. Right. So it's just like that's just like amazing. And they're so <clears throat> they're done in such a way it's so sort of lo-fi and almost like not produced. Yep. But the guitars in it are really cool and that you don't get tired of it. You know, it's not like, doesn't have anything that just makes you go, oh God, I've heard this so many times. Yeah. Like, I think it's just, it's rawness and it's almost lack of augmentate. It's like the opposite of Star Wars. Like it's the lack of complexity and the lack of everything that just makes it yeah, easy to listen to over and over and over again and not be like, oh, I'm kind of tired of this, kind of tired of these songs or whatever. But oh. uh, so that's that's my three. It was hard. <laughs> good, good choices. No duplicates yep. there yet. Uh, you know, at some point I'm going to compile the list. And of course, I've, ah. got, to, I've got to run the stats on this thing because uh, <laughs> that's the data I've got here. So right, yeah. <laughs> if it looks same. like data, it's got to be counted. Right. So. Exactly. <laughs> All right, Scott, well, this, this, this has been awesome. It's great to catch up as always. Yes. Uh, love, love to hear your story. Uh, Good talking uh, to you. 
about your career and uh, your shed shredding and all that good yes. stuff. So let's definitely stay in touch. And, and yes. Yeah.